0: This is the Mental Debriefing Podcast with your hosts, Peter Tam and Leslie Q. Okay, hello. Today's date is July 12th. Oh. July 12th. Sorry. Can we start? Yes, it's July 12th. Welcome to another episode of the Mental Debriefing Podcast.
1: Hi to everyone who's listening.
0: Leslie. Okay, she didn't wait for my introduction, that's fine. <laughs> With me is my uh, co-host Leslie and Peter Tam. So how was your, it's been two weeks since we uh, last recorded, so how was your July 4th, Leslie?
1: My July 4th was awful. I have two pit bulls and they cannot stop barking all night. So that was my. I, feel like I was up pretty much all night with my dogs cause my husband was working. Um, so yeah, it was very uneventful. What about you, Peter? How
0: was your Um, I attended two parties, and um, yeah, the the first party my friend Danny was back from Texas, so it was one of those. Oh yeah, I have a b- second baby, so we're gonna show off our second our second baby, and then. There was a lot of babies at this party and then um not just my friend but uh some of my our mutual friends also they they brought all their kids his family his brothers brought their kids so there was a lot, a lot of babies involved and um there was also people that didn't have babies like myself that felt uh, very alienated at the party because of the vast amount of babies and baby-related activities that the no-baby people uh, felt a bit alienated and a lot of them uh, took off early. And then I took off from that party and my friends in Costa Mesa had another party, so I had to go to that, you know, as a realtor I need to try to hook in some potential leads in my, by going to all these parties. But um, I had eaten something weird at the uh, first party, and then I had to pull over um, to the embassy suites and use the bathroom, and um, second party, it was, I was embracing my Asian culture because everybody there was Asian, (laughs) so uh, you're welcome, and... Yeah, the the weather was cool there because it was Costa Mesa, it wasn't in the 90s like Chinoa was, and yeah, it was fun.
1: Can we talk about how hot it was this past week <laughs> and how it was uh, 110 degrees last Friday? I know that. Um, we were kind of upset that there were so many people commenting on social media about how hot
0: it was. Why did that upset you? <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, I mean, I'm just used to warm weather, and every year there's a heat wave, so every year people complain about how hot it is, and I don't think that's productive mm. because it does, you live in Southern California. Now, if you live in Seattle or you live in um, Maine or Vermont or whatever, and then there's a sudden heat wave, then that's understandable. But you live in Southern California and it gets hot every freaking summer for a long, long time. Like um, not, there's not one day in the 90's, there's several, several days in the 90's. So that's a, uh, that's something that's very common, heat waves. So. I I just annoyed that people discuss how hot it is. We know how hot it is.
1: <laughs> I just think it's funny that you get upset about people commenting on It was really hot. I mean, even for people who live in California, that was unusually hot. But anyways, we won't talk about this anymore because I know how much it is <laughs>
0: Um. Yeah. You know. I'm a I'm, I'll proceed to talk about it some more. Um, I'm a fan of hot weather and um, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of hot weather. It's um, I grew up in very warm parts of Southern California and I like Las Vegas. I like to walk around in Palm Springs in the uh, middle of summer. You know that's I like to build my endurance up that way. Mm-hmm. Also, Joe Rogan talks about heat shock proteins and all that stuff, so...
1: Oh, I don't No, no,
0: I don't know what he means, but, um... <laughs> no, because he goes into, like, the sauna and stuff, but then it's like, I don't need a sauna. I can just go walk around in 110-degree weather. It's the same thing, right? Mm, I don't
1: know about that, but... In other news, uh, Frank and I have been visiting different um, dim sum restaurants. So
0: L O L Y.
1: So every Tuesday we go on a date, that's like our date day. And we love dim sum, so we've been going to different dim sum restaurants. The best one that we found was in Roman Heights, because that's a little too far, so we're trying to find one that's closer, but we've been unsuccessful, so anyone who lives in Orange County that knows of a good dim restaurant? Please let us know. And also one that's reasonably priced because we did go to a dim sum restaurant in South Los and it was good, but it was kind of pricey. So What
0: was the name of it?
1: Uh,
0: was it Din Tai Fong?
1: Yes. Yeah. And we had to wait for quite some time. It was nice. It was a nice restaurant, and obviously beautiful area. But a little, I felt a little out of place at Taos
0: Yeah, the Din Tai Fung is a very popular, um, very popular Taiwanese uh, dumpling place. I wouldn't. It's not your traditional uh, Cantonese, Hong Kong style dim It's Taiwanese dumplings, which is. It's really really popular. Um, several years ago, um, the Din Tai Fung's in Arcadia. That was the first ones in Southern California. They um, they they had really crazy 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 lines. They had two restaurants that were like um, a thousand feet away from each other, and then both had crazy lines. So it's a very popular place. Um, regarding South Coast Plaza. Um, a lot of malls are having issues nowadays because of Amazon. Um, so a lot of malls are adding more restaurants to keep busy, and there are no good dim sum places in Orange County.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for bursting in business. Well, moving on. Um, UFC two twenty six was this past Saturday, and um hmm. I have mixed feelings about the fight. Um okay. overall I was happy with the outcome. DC um obviously had a, an incredible night and he's the new, uh, heavyweight champion or no is it welterweight? No.
0: Heavy heavyweight, yeah, heavyweight.
1: heavyweight, so What are
0: your thoughts on the UFC fight? Yeah, Leslie had uh, invited me to a viewing party with her husband, and it was a very entertaining time. There were several highlights, um, which I enjoyed. Um, Paulo Costa, also known as Borasinha, he's a very muscled... Brazilian fighter. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, he uh, beat Uriah Hall, and um, he's, he's undefeated, his MMA record is undefeated right now, so he's going to go far, he's called out Chris Weidman, he's a middleweight, so we'll see what happens regarding that.
1: Yeah, well, going into the fight, I was really disappointed that the Brian, Ortega, and Max Holloway fight was canceled. So that was, other disappointment. why I was really looking forward to watching that fight. They both really great fighters, but I'm sure that will happen sometime in the near future. I thought I read that Max Holloway at a, he was hospitalized, he had a concussion? Do you?
0: Yes, correct.
1: Okay. So hopefully um, he gets better soon and we get to see that matchup in the near future. Another fight, well, the co-main event, Francis Naganu and Derek Lewis. Oh my god, that was, that was po- probably one of the worst fights I've ever seen. I expected so much from these fighters and it was, yeah, it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> they did nothing, like absolutely nothing. Um, I'm not sure what happened,
0: but, yeah, it was very disappointing. I think that, I think that, uh, Francis was, uh, scared off from his previous performances with, um, I mean, his previous performance where she fought Stipe, and I think psychologically, well, he also posted on Instagram, like, uh, a day later that he apologized for the fight and he said he carried the fear from the last fight into this fight so um... he's had a psychological uh, meltdown i guess um, but he emits he the problem now so hopefully uh... further along in his future fights he'll be less gun shy because i think the the fight really affected him psychologically.
1: Which is understandable, um, I understand that coming from Francis Ngannou, but I wonder what was going through Derek Lewis' mind in that fight, because he also didn't really throw any punches, um, so any thoughts on what could have possibly been going through
0: his mind? Uh, well, he also apologized and he said his back hurt. So. He's had a history of back injury back issues, I suppose. So I don't know, it was just a uh, random random pairing of it wasn't a random pairing, but um, because they did trash talk a lot before the fight and then they sold the fight and it was gonna be really big. Um so plus points for their trash talking, but it turned out to be a very uh it turned out to be a very uneventful fight. Um, also another one of the fights, um, shout out to Anthony Pettis, um, it was a very exciting fight, um, that Michael Kaseya, I don't know how to say his last name, um, he had a ridiculous haircut. Anyways, um, so, uh, DC Stipe, how did you feel about that?
1: I was, uh, I like. well, I was... Happy with the outcome. I I actually really was not a big fan of D.C. before watching The Ultimate Fighter, just because he does a lot of trash talking before the fights, and just I don't like fighters that that do a lot of trash talking. You know, like humble fighters like St. Pierre and Robert Whittaker. Um, so, but then I started watching The Ultimate Fighter, and he's a great coach. When I watched him coach the other fighters. He really pays attention to technique and is very technical. And he, he was a really great coach. Um, he was very committed to you know to his fighters. And so I became a fan. So obviously I was rooting for him um, on Saturday, and he won, which was really exciting. And now he has two um, championship belts. And I, uh, I mean that's uh, I don't know who else has done that.
0: Conor McGregor. Okay, yeah,
1: Connor McGregor has done that, but he's uh, part of a very elite class of MMA fighters, and he's 39 years old, which is also very impressive.
0: Yeah, shout-out to old guys. <laughs>
1: uh, just very kind of, yeah, very inspirational story.
0: Yeah, um, DC's a cool guy. Uh, I've followed him since the uh, Strikeforce days. And I, typically I like, um, when it's comparing fighters, I typically side with the wrestler. Um, the wrestlers, they, t- not, not jujitsu guys, but like wrestlers.
1: Why do you side with wrestlers?
0: Because they know how to trash talk, they know how to sell the game. They, I think wrestling is the most important skill in MMA, to take the person down. I know Jujitsu is a lot is involving, what happens after they're on the ground, but for Cena to take them to the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I like some Jujitsu guys like uh, Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz. Um, sometimes there's certain Jujitsu guys like Damian Maya that are really really boring. So, but wrestlers they know how to sell the fight at least. So even if their fighting's kind of boring, they uh, they have the skill to sell the fight, which I appreciate.
1: Yeah, What I appreciate about DC is that he's such a versatile fighter, so I liked when he was interviewed after the fight. He mentioned that when he was um, preparing for this fight, he was analyzing like Stipe's previous fights and noticed that there was uh, a weakness that he capitalized on, and that's how he won the fight. And I thought that I, I love that part of fighting is just the uh, preparation that's involved. Um, the the strategy. I, I really love when fighters talk about that because I think a lot of people feel like, Oh, MMA's So barbaric and I sometimes am, I am embarrassed to admit that I like watching M M A just because it has a bad reputation, but it's the strategy and the skill and a technique that I, that I
0: enjoy watching, and when it's executed, I like that. I, I it's really exciting. Yes, it's the or something pure about MMA because it's the whole concept between uh, you know. As a kid, I played Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and all those and and uh, Tekken. Um, so all these all these fighting games, um, the whole thing is about. You know, there's a Kung Fu guy, there's a Karate guy, there's a Brazilian, um, Cachoeira, I don't know, that, that oh. spinning kick, whatever, Cachoeira? um, yeah, thank you, mm-hmm. the, uh, Eddie Cordo on, uh, Soul, Cal- Soul Calibur uses that skill, or, I mean, on Tekken, anyways, so, so that whole concept, all those games, MMA is, like, the real life of that, because you have, you know, a wrestler guy, which is like Zangief versus a karate guy, like Wonder Boy Thompson, and then they square off and they fight. Um, so that's, MMA is like the real version of all those all those uh, video games. Except now with MMA, they uh, there's a lot of interdisciplinary stuff because everyone needs to know how to defend a takedown and use some ground game. Everyone needs to know how to, how to throw some punches. So it's like, a real-life video game. It's pretty cool.
1: What did you think of DC um, calling out calling out Brock Lesnar? Oh, I felt that really cheapened everything. I cheapened his victory. It cheapened the sports because it was. You could tell it was staged, and I don't understand why they're giving Brock Lesnar another chance at the title. That really was
0: disappointing. I was uh, initially not a fan of it. Um, I feel that it was dishonorable to Stipe that they didn't also give him a moment also because he's the longest reigning heavyweight champion there has been. Um, And then they just went to this sideshow. But um, if you you see the photos, in, there's there's like a photo where both Brock and uh, DC were smiling at each other inside the cage. So obviously it's been staged, you know, there's some staging element to it, but uh, Brock Lesnar's uh pro. He's pro at uh, professional wrestling, so he knows how to act it up. Whereas uh, Daniel Cormier is an MMA fighter, so his acting skills were not as good. Um, But, you know, uh, back in the Ronda Rousey days and uh, the Brock Lesnar days and Conor McGregor days, as recently as 2016, um, MMA was in the minds of a lot of mainstream people. Um, For example, several years ago you hosted an MMA night in your condo, is that correct, Leslie?
1: Um, yeah, probably. So, um... <laughs> I'm sure I have. I don't remember if it was in the condo or if it was in the house. Yes. Probably, yeah, no, you're right. It was probably in the condo, so that must have been... That was a long time ago. But now, we usually watch them at the uh, local bar.
0: Yes. Yeah, for example, I mean, during that era...
1: But I've always been an M.A. fan. I mean, I've been watching the MMA since I was 18, when Pride was still on, and I remember watching Mark Hunt, uh Kork- Fedor. Uh, so those are like the fighters that I followed for a long time, and then UFC came along. But, well, UFC's been in existence for quite some time, but it just wasn't as popular.
0: Yeah, I mean, but during the during the golden years. 2016 and before, um, you know, there was a lot of viewing parties and mm-hmm. a lot of common folk who got into the fight game, yeah. but now it's more, um, now there aren't any crossover stars. There isn't like a Ronda Rousey or a Con right now. I don't pay um, attention to that, I, I,
1: you do, I don't, like when you were talking about, oh, it's just not as popular anymore, a lot of people aren't watching it. I. I don't know why, I just don't
0: pay attention to that. I, I have fighters that I really like. I, I enjoy watching. I, I, well, I like to focus on the... I like to read about sports business and MMA as a business. Um, Also, like, because I used to have friends that I talked to about MMA. Um, not Frank's friends, but um, not Mikey, but um, I have, like, some other MMA friends. But then now they're like, oh yeah, we stopped watching MMA, we just watch football now. It's like, what the (laughs) frick? You know, uh, because like during the fights I used to text them, it's like, oh you know, oh, look what DC did, blah, blah, blah. And then, Mm -hmm. oh my God, Anderson Silva got knocked out, whatever. But then now they just, (laughs) they're like, yeah, we don't watch it anymore. So that's just anecdotal, but you can tell that it's less less on people's minds now. it's only hardcores like us. And then and then on my uh on my vlogs whenever you know I'm talking about, you know, my vlogs, uh my business, all that stuff. Then I talk to M about MMA immediately. It's like people viewing it goes to zero. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of um it's just not on the non MMA fans' minds anymore. But anyways, moving on. Um we, uh, we had uh, both noticed, uh, Paulo Costa, Mr. Boroshinha's, uh, muscles, so I can compo- Oh,
1: no.
0: <laughs> oh, Frank also noticed. Um, men notice other men's muscles. Really? Just like, um, women notice other women's hips. Oh, okay. I
1: don't really notice other women's hips, though.
0: Or if someone's wearing a boob shirt, you know.
1: But I think it's funny that you pay attention to other men's things because you always comment on uh, other men's bodies,
0: like... <laughs> well, that's part of the reason to watch MMA, right? No, why? I uh, just think it's funny
1: when you make comments.
0: Well, you know, men, men like to appreciate the male figure um, as well as the female figure. Not in a sexual manner, just in a, uh, you know, wow, he has big muscles manner, that guy's trapped. I mean, Joe Rogan talks about it all the time. Wow, that guy's trapped. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But anyways, um, Paulo Costa, he had uh, very big muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, Sage Northcutt. Uh, Sage Northcutt, you know, he's...
1: Uh, he's I, don't, I don't remember who he is, uh,
0: he, He's a blonde kid, one of Dana's uh, rising stars with Paige Van Sant. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember. I know
1: Paige.
0: Yeah. Um, He's
1: in a commercial with um Mighty
0: Mouse. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. He has nice muscles. Uh Yoel Romero, of course, immigrant mentality himself. Um Francis and Ganu.
1: How much of that do you think is just genetic? Like he obviously like they were born that way. How much of it do you think is um because of and
0: then they exercise and all that. George St. Pierre also. Um I mean no one's born with big muscles. But the whole thing about genetics, um, you have to work out regardless, you have to work out a lot even if uh you don't just wake up one day and have a bunch of muscles. Go ahead. I oh well,
1: I mentioned that because you admire Joel Romero's physique. And you think that he's, like, the epitome of uh, masculinity. But DC works out probably just as hard, just as much as you are Romero. But they look completely different. But yet you're not admiring DC's uh, physique at all. Not making any comments about it.
0: Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> when, when a muscle jacked up guy like Yohel... You have to notice it. That's like the, one of the first things you you can't deny. oh Yeah, I can't right. see his muscles. I mean, that's <laughs> the first thing you see is like his muscles. Yeah. So.
1: But that shouldn't. Be, that's like not an indicator of whether or not this person's gonna be a champion or not.
0: Well, as as we learned from um, Francis and Ganu, okay. just because you're really jacked, um, and you punch hard doesn't mean that you're necessarily a great fighter because, as you know, Francis, you know, he have, he's a heavyweight and he freaking has like a six-pack going and he's all jacked. You know, you've seen Francis's body, I don't need to, I mean, on TV, not in real life, but um.
1: <laughs> I never understood the importance of having a sports psychologist until watching this last fight with Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis. I listened to... An interview with um, Michelle Watterson, also known as the Karate Body, and she was talking about, you know, talk, talking to a sports psychologists and how that's been very helpful for her. And I realize now how how important that is. You have, not only do you have to be physically prepared for a fight, but you also have to be mentally prepared uh, for a fight.
0: Correct. Um, you know. If if you're scared of entering the cage, or you're scared of getting hit in the face, then that's not a good place to be psychologically, especially when your job is to, a part of your job is getting hit in the face. Obviously, you don't want that, but it's goes with the uh, occupation. Okay, moving along here. Um, you wanted to discuss a few uh, humble fighters. You uh, made a so, list.
1: Um, since Peter made a list of uh, fighters with the best muscles, I uh, compiled a very short list of my favorite fighters because they're uh, humble, <laughs> humble fighters. actually only came up with two. <laughs> so, jo- George St. Pierre and Robert Whitaker. I love, I I like these fighters because you've never seen in trash talking and they're. For the most part, they seem like they're very humble and respectful, so I I appreciate that, and I wish there was more fighters like them out there. And I wish that more people would acknowledge and um, give credit to these these fighters, but it's unfortunate that the fighters that trash talk and are obnoxious, like Conor McGregor and Rock Lesnar, those are the ones that get attention. Those are the ones that sell tickets, and it's just really frustrating because, uh, we shouldn't be endorsing those types of fighters. Because we're ta- like that's when we say, like when we purchase a ticket to buy a uh, purchase a ticket to see if I like that, we're endorsing their behavior. And we shouldn't be endorsing that type of behavior.
0: Um, I appreciate the. All my favorite fighters are the. The opposite. I like, I like the fighters that Leslie supposedly <laughs> has a problem with. Outside of,
1: well,
0: okay, fine. Outside of Chris Weidman, he's a humble guy. Um, he's a humble family man. So that's that's a uh, humble guy that I like. But yeah, I like the trash talkers. I'm a big fan of San, and I listen to his podcast, obviously. Um, his young protege, Kobe Covington. I'm also a big fan of him. Also a wrestler, also oh. a big trash talker.
1: Isn't that the guy that said uh, he told Brazilians that they lived in dirty favelas? Yes, yes. yes. Oh, okay. Yes. That's I can't fire. You like
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> it's all for entertainment. It's all in act. But um, those are the ones that sell tickets. Um, DC, you know, he, he comes from that same wrestling background and he trash talks a lot. And that's how you sell fights. Because, I mean, like like a guy like, uh, you know, Kobe Garbrandt, those guys, they also trash talk, um, and then, you know, DJ Demetrius Johnson, he's Mr. Humble, la la la, and then Mr. Yeah. Nice Guy, and then, and then no one watches this fight. Yeah, like, do
1: you, like, do you really like those guys? like, do you support them, or is it because they trash talk and you want to see them lose the fight? Because they've been talking all this trash and saying, like, oh, no one can beat me. So when they lose, it's, like, it's even more exciting because, it's like, oh, see, you lost. And that's what's the exciting part? I'm no, I mean, like, what, what do you like?
0: About? I mean, I I wasn't a big fan of Anderson and Silva because, see, I, I don't like the whole trash talk inside the cage when the fight is going on. I don't like, like, cocky fighters. But outside, I think uh, I like all the talk. I like all the trash talk. I think Chael and Kobe Covington—they know how to do it. Moving along now, um, Leslie has um, something to share about uh, stoicism, (laughs) whatever that is. So um,
1: stoicism. Um, So I listened to Tim Ferriss and he had mentioned stoicism a few times on his podcast and how he's a big fan of stoicism so i looked it up and it's a school of philosophy that was uh, founded in Athens, um in like third century bc and i actually got a book about it so in this book it has Quotes from different uh, Stoics, and what I like about the book is that it gives you um, an interpretation, and it's it I find it very inspirational, and it gives you tools on how to um, how to approach life. So the philosophy asserts that virtue, meaning like the they have four cardinal virtues, which are self-control, courage, justice, and wisdom, and. is our perceptions of things rather than the things themselves that cause most of our trouble. Stoicism teaches that we can't control or rely on anything outside our reason choice, which is our ability to use our reason to choose how we categorize, respond, and reorient ourselves to external events. So I think that's a very empowering way of thinking about life because we don't necessarily have control over you know, different events that happen to us, but we have control over how we perceive those events, which is why I, I, I happen to, you know, enjoy reading about stoicism and, and thinking about life in that manner. It just goes in line with how I view the world.
0: Okay. So it's based on how you interpret events.
1: That's part of
0: it, yes. Um, I need a read-up on the subject. Yeah, I mean, there's... Certainly, there's some things in life where you can interpret an event either as positively or as negatively as you want. And... I tend to be a class half-empty type of person, unfortunately, but I'm trying to be more positive in my life. I have been for the last two years, yeah certain events, I can't think of a good example right now, okay um, the next uh in two episodes, Leslie will find a uh, article talking about stoics stoicism <laughs> um, or come up with a few uh, no, I examples think everyone Th- that that was a good.
1: introduce um different quotes and our yeah, how we can apply them to our daily lives. I think that would be helpful and no.
0: something to talk about. Okay, we'll have a quote every uh, every episode. Um, then in.
1: So I think uh, a related topic is dating. So sometimes things happen to you while you're dating, and it's how you perceive those events that. And dictate how you react. So,
0: how have you been doing in the dating life here? Um, my dating's been kind of awful. Well, lately, yeah, I had I had a date with this hairstylist, and then it didn't quite work out. Um, we weren't on the same wavelength on a lot of stuff. Um, nothing political, but it was just. Uh, I mean, she said. Uh, uh, she said she didn't really read a lot of books, and then <laughs> oh, I don't really don't I really don't read a lot, and then it's like what the freak, you know. But I'm on a podcast that uh, we like to review books on, so. Yeah, my friend Danny, uh, my best friend Danny, when he, uh, um, when he dated, when he first started dating his wife. Um, you know, he texted me, I was like, oh yeah, she's different, she reads, I was like, what the, f-? so, <laughs> so I've, I've always, uh, appreciated people that read books, because I think, the, uh they end up being on similar wavelengths, at least, um, obviously, that's not, that's not, what I said was completely untrue, I don't know even why I said, don't even know why I said that, but, you know, it just shows that you, you seek some sort of knowledge, now, if you read a bunch of, because you know, there's books about it, all types of BS, so maybe you read a bunch of BS, it, it's different. But I just, it helps to find someone that also reads. So, anyways.
1: Do you think that people who read, well, I any mean, people who read like self help books are interested in always like improving themselves? So that's something that you might that you find. Attractive, and that's why you like I'm trying to understand why that's
0: important to you. Well, it's not important, but um, I've. Or is, it just, or is it just that you it's want just
1: want someone it's, to talk? Like, you just want someone to have a conversation with Yeah, topic?
0: the conversation thing is a big thing, and someone that reads, you know, they. I tend to speak in the. Although I'm not a great speaker, yeah. I tend to dive in the a lot of weird topics that are not just service level so having a uh, partner that reads it it helps them with the chemistry just when you're talking um you don't have to read books
1: in order to have something inter- interesting
0: yeah well
1: frank doesn't
0: really read yeah but he listens to a lot of podcasts and um, oh, so podcasts? I, um I don't know but the the chemistry just wasn't there um you know, there's my my friend, uh, my friend Vince. He uh, we talked a few weeks back, and then I think I've talked a bit to you about this before. That um, you know, he he said you need to make a list of for every positive. At- if you want to settle down in life, you need to. For every positive attribute a woman has, you need to find the so-called negative attribute that you can tolerate and then write write all that down. So then you're not trying to chase something chase uh a woman that's unattainable and doesn't exist that but you actually you're looking for someone that's just a realistic person. And then I talked to my other friend Hong and he is like, um, you know he also he's the one that came up with that system. But um Um in my head, yes. No, I'm not gonna share my list. But I mean, I mean, there's. It's like if um, you know some people want a uh, a woman that can cook, for example. Mm-hmm. And then, what's well, a But then, if that's your, one of your musts, then you you also need to have a negative attribute. Um, so. For example, she can be a great cook, but she's not very outdoorsy, then, you know, that's a pro and con. And then, um, oh yeah, she tells a lot of great jokes. That's a positive, or she, she, she laughs at my jokes. That's actually more important. And then a a negative, oh, she's overly needy. So that's how you, you know, whatever your must-haves, then you can have, uh,
1: I guess they don't quite understand why we need to make this list. Obviously no one's perfect. And people change throughout their lives. So even if you meet someone and, you know, they have all these great qualities, whatever they are gonna change. People just that's what happens, right? We evolve. Um, but you, I mean, no one's perfect, so I don't understand
0: why. Well, that, that's exactly why you should make the list, because... Did
1: you have an expectation that you were going to meet this perfect
0: rule? Well, that's not my expectation, but then, some, especially in the early stages of dating, um, a lot of times, this applies for males and females, so females actually need to think about this more than men do, actually. <laughs> Because men can tolerate, you know, I don't want to generalize, but um, there's a higher tolerance that men have um, for a woman that's cool and down to earth. A higher tolerance for
1: imperfections? Yeah, if the
0: woman's, you know, cool and down to earth, then they can stand a lot more, um, supposedly. Um, So males and females, they both need a compile some this type of list for example like you know for like a dude oh yeah he he has a beer belly or he's balding or whatever Mm -hmm. but then he's a very funny dude so that's you know there's the pros and cons and then
1: um well something also to think about like in that aspect in terms of appearance it's important to realize that people are look differently when they get older. They may look great when you first meet them, but also understand that as they get older, people, that I mean, even just happens
0: with age, so. Yeah, like for example, a lot of females, they they say, I want a guy 5'10 or taller. You know, I've, I've obviously heard a lot of that in my life, <laughs> um, since I'm on the wrong side of 5'10, um, but then, you, You know, what if this guy is like 5'8", and then they're like an awesome dude, but then he's shorter, and then, you know, he has a beer belly or whatever, and then you're going through your online online dating app or whatever, you meet them on the first date, then you automatically discount them because he's a short dude. I mean, that happens a lot.
1: Do you have to disclose your height?
0: It depends on the app. Tinder is the only one where the height is not... Because um one of my friends, he was like, Tinder is the only one, because one of my friends is shorter than I am, and then he's like, Tinder is the only one that I don't need to write down my height. Um, because, and then he actually got married off Tinder. Um, because that, like, like, and those, they have like a filter. So women can, they can just filter it, it's like 5'10 or above, and then... <laughs> they'll only be shown tall guys, and, and, um, you know, it goes through the whole thing, you're not looking for a perfect person, and then, um, I know I've, in the past, before, this whole list thing, um, I haven't have seen through a lot of relationships, a lot of women that I should, should have, because I made a, I was a commetophobe, and I didn't, I took a superficial, pros and cons thing and then I was uh, I I took it too far I, I mean I didn't take it far enough I just uh, you know there's a con and then I was like uh, that's it and then <laughs> so you know I, I apologize to all the women that I've um, superficially dumped or not called yeah. back or whatever I mean you know usually I'm on the other side of that also but um, I've brought some Emotional discomfort to women, and I apologized for my behavior. And um, hopefully, these women can move on and and uh, proceed with their lives despite <laughs> having run ins with my dating. But uh,
1: I think they're doing fine.
0: It's you know, it's dating is a kind of weird subject, and then and then in the professional world at school you see someone all the time and then in in uh quote-unquote real life it's more uh you have you're with them a very limited amount of time so the impressions and your pet peeves and all that stuff it can derail something really fast for no good reason <sighs> that's all i have to say anyways proceeding on here during the, uh, I I also want to briefly touch up on, uh, Asian identity.
1: Um,
0: an anonymous friend said I should embrace my, uh, <laughs> Chinese culture more. And then I was really offended by that comment. Hmm, I,
1: wonder
0: that uh, I don't know why. Um, I'm, uh, why were you offended? Well, basically, the. For example, in. I mean, I'm born to a culture, so it's it's not something I have a choice in really. Because um, c- when you talk about culture, there's two types of cultures. There's there's your uh, parents' culture from whatever motherland they come from. And then, there's also the uh, subculture. For example, in. Uh, to make it more relevant in the, uh, Mexican community. There's, uh... Col-
1: Why
0: is that more relevant? Well, it's it's easier to form examples because I like, took Chicano studies in college. Oh, okay. Uh, um... Intro to Chicano studies, but this was really important, but, um... Really interesting and important, um... Notice I didn't take Asian American studies. So, so there, you know, there's Mexican culture, but then there's also, um you know, Mexican-American culture which is, you know, Pachuco, Cholo type culture. Mm -hmm. And um, that Mexican-American, that Cholo culture, it doesn't exist. I mean, it wasn't started in Mexico, it was started here. So it's it's something that people of Mexican ethnicity, they developed while they were here in the U.S. So in the Asian scene, there's obviously actual Chinese culture. Well, there are several different types also. There's your parents' Chinese culture, or my parents. And then there's the culture of recent immigrants, um, which is obviously less traditional and different. And then there's also the, the culture that Asian Americans have. And I, I I'm a big history guy, so I i uh, am very appreciative of Chinese history and I study up on Chinese history and I probably know more than 90% of the Chinese Americans in Chinese history. I also have a lot of Chinese artwork. So yes, I spent my hard-earned cash at State Farm buying up Chinese artwork. Um so yeah I do appreciate. It. I also bought that um I have a Chinese jacket thing that I spent uh $120. Um that was shipped from China. It has the Chinese collars and everything. So uh yeah I appreciate. I I wear it, but it's really hot right now. So um I can't really wear a jacket right now. But anyways, yes. So I appreciate like traditional Chinese culture. I'm just not very down with, um, I guess Chinese American culture, because, yeah, I mean, I I, I grew up in uh, North Orange County. That's mostly uh, white and Hispanic, and then I went to UCR where it was a culture shock. There was Asian people everywhere, and then I lived in little Saigon, I, little Saigon area for a while. A lot of Vietnamese people. I felt very out of place being Chinese because language plays a big part of it. Because like a lot of um, Hispanic cultures, they all speak Spanish. I know Brazil. They Brazil. They're not considered Hispanics because they speak Portuguese. But anyways, um, for, right? Because uh, so there's a there's a language commonality. But then Asians, they all speak different languages. So then it's it it's. There's less of a uh, commonality, I guess. Everyone speaks English, obviously, so, yeah. So, I mean, I felt out of place living in an Asian area, and then, uh, you know, I moved to Chino Hills. That's my phone, sorry, I apologize. Chino Hills, there's a lot of Chinese people. Um, there's a lot of Americans. There's a lot of Hispanic people, Latinos. Mm-hmm. I hear in the East Coast they say, hispanic instead of latino but born in california but anyways um yeah so this is a mixed area in the empire is mixed that's where i feel most comfortable with carry on um, so how do you identify do you identify
1: as a american or as an asian american
0: a long time ago i was in a sociology class um, this was, like, a summer school sociology class. And then, um, there was this, uh, Korean girl. She was, like, uh, a long time ago I used to identify as Korean, as, um, as American. Then I identified myself as Korean American. Now I just identify myself as Korean. I was, like, what the... And then in my mind, I was, like, what the freak? <laughs> it's, like, I identify myself as American. That's what I'm thinking. So, um... I guess I'm Chinese American. Um, <laughs> Why do you
1: say
0: that way? Right? <laughs> I, I, I identify as Chinese American, but um, my nationality is American. I have a US passport. Um, my ethnic group is Chinese, on Chinese. So that's it. I'm an American. That's my nationality.
1: Well, I think your friend should apologize to you because they made a very, great comment without uh, thinking about it, so we should apologize.
0: It's okay. Anyways, moving on from uh, Asian identity.
1: What do you think about, um, so we banned grocery bags in California, and now we're thinking about banning straws. Well, they banned Strauss in San Francisco, right?
0: Or Seattle? Um, I forget too.
1: But, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little conflicted as to whether or not we should ban straws because I remember when the idea came up to ban grocery bags, I was all for it, like yes. But then every time I go to the store, I forget my bag, and I have to buy a grocery bag. I'm like, dang it, but I think, you know, The intent is good. People want to reduce uh, trash that ends up in the landfills. I know that you have a very different perspective on this issue. Um, I can do without straws. I use straws, you know, every morning for my, not every morning, but usually I'll have a smoothie and I have straw with it. So, but I feel like, you know what, I I don't need it. I don't have to have a straw.
0: Um, I think straws are very important. Um, I know they want to go back to, like, uh, paper straw or whatever. Um, my dad said when he first came to America, McDonald's had, uh, kind of, like, uh, paper straws. And then it was, there was, like, wax inside or whatever. So it was, like, wax paper. Because, uh, I mean, it has to be waxy because there's liquid in it, obviously, or else it, the paper would just soak up. Plastic. I don't think plastic is the big enemy that people make it out to be. Um, Straws obviously are useful. Uh, You don't need hands to drink when you have a straw. There are studies that say uh, when a baby uses a straw, it helps their um, vocalization and their speaking. I need to look up these articles because it sounds like I'm, I'm just making stuff up. But, uh, it's true, um, you know, I don't think straws are the enemy, and I don't think going back to paper straws or making a sippy cup, because um, the sippy cup is going to take even more plastic, and how's that going to solve anything? Um, because you need to make the, if you have an ice shrink, you need to make the lid much stronger if you, um, if you're going to go strawless, because, People have to go like this to drink it.
1: Yeah, I disagree with you because I've seen those sippy cups at Starbucks, and it seems like it would take just as much resources to make that uh, lid for the sippy cup as it would to make a straw. So I don't know if we're really uh, making progress there for replacing a straw with the sippy cup lid. But I don't know if the, uh, all the ins and outs of what material they use so I'm not
0: sure about that. Yeah I don't I don't mean to browbeat the subject but um the whole plastic bags thing there was a study that came out that you need to use like um, those cloth bags you need to use at least 74 times before the environmental impact of making that cloth bag equals the benefit of using it as a uh, shopping bag because people don't understand that if you the cloth bag you have to grow the cotton um, you need to water to cotton all that stuff cotton take, takes up land to grow all that stuff you need to have a machine or a person sew the freaking cotton bag all that stuff and then um, you know people don't wash their bag either so there's a lot of issues with the whole uh, shopping bag thing i've i've talked about it several times but you know people don't care they just People that don't really care about the environment, they just wanna act like they do. Um, and so they get social brownie points on Facebook. I mean, I'm roasting here with no AC. Um it was 118 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and then did you do? I didn't I didn't turn on the AC, so who's the environmentalist now? I mean,
1: just, That's crazy. Uh,
0: that's, I mean, I'm a, I'm a real, uh, okay, no, hardcore...
1: Crazy. you You have to draw the light somewhere. Like, you can get sick if you sit somewhere with, when
0: it's that hot. Joe Rogan says it's good to expose yourself to extreme temperatures. Oh
1: my goodness, you're
0: crazy. But, um, back to the straws thing, um, I read an article today, all these disability groups, um, they are very upset at this whole Starbucks, no straws policy. Um, because they obviously uh, find that straws are a very useful invention um, because you don't need to actually hold the freaking cup to drink out of it. I mean, think about how brilliant that is, just for a moment. Um, I'm sure they'll
1: still have straws available for people with disabilities, and it's unfortunate that Starbucks is caught in the middle of this because they're, they're trying to do the right thing. And I feel bad for them because they're getting like, no matter what they do, someone's going to complain, someone's going to say something. And they're, con- you know, recently they've been caught in the middle of of these controversial issues, and they're just trying to do the right thing. But no matter what they do, someone's going to criticize them and say like, oh no, what about this and what about that? It's like, oh my goodness, give this company a break.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and then straws, obviously, you can stir the drink. I mean. uh, The whole wooden... Because, you know, you go to Starbucks and then they have that wooden stir thing. I mean, uh, do environmentalists think that's, like, a good idea? I mean, you have to grow the freaking tree where that wooden stir comes from, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, they don't care. So it's all plastic is evil, blah, 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 blah. A lot of... Well, no one knows a
1: lot, but there are definitely instances where people will... Say something, or, or they'll follow a trend because they think if you know, they they want to um, go along with what their peers are doing and saying, and they don't do the research, and they don't even know what they're talking about half the time. So, uh, yeah, we should definitely do our research and figure out what's better for the environment, and if what we're doing to substitute straw use is actually going to make an impact. Rather than just like oh let's just uh, let's just get rid of straws but we really and then replace them with these sippy cup lids but then sippy cup lids are lids are going to be just as uh, harmful to the environment so
0: or worse. the point. Yeah. Um yeah that's a tough issue these environmental things um, they come up and then people don't do the research and then they end up um, stuff gets legalized and different outcomes take place. Anyways, um, you have, uh, uh f- some final thoughts regarding nutrition, is that correct? No. Oh, um, yes.
1: not, n- I just read and written an interesting article in Scientific American about the paleo diet. Do you know anything about paleo diet?
0: Okay. Um, yeah, you shouldn't, uh, eat bread.
1: And <laughs> that way, thats it. So, the paleo diet, like paleo diet uh, gurus, suggest that we should only eat what our ancestors ate. So, this article uh, talked about normal What used to happen was researchers would assume what our ancestors ate based off of the uh, shape and size. Of uh of the of our ancestors' teeth, and they would assume, okay, well, they have this like sh- shape and size tooth or teeth, and so this is more or less what they ate. But based off of newer research, they're finding that the microscopic wear of teeth is more telling of what our ancestors ate. And what they found out is that our ancestors had a very flexible diet and they ate what was available to them, which makes sense according to where they lived and the uh, conditions of their environment. So they didn't have one specific diet, they basically ate what was, what was available to them, which makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint, they're going to, you know, that the multiple point is to survive so they have to have that um, dietary flexibility to eat whatever's available to them.
0: Which what does that entail? I mean because mm-hmm. you're saying that they can eat whatever is available but mm-hmm. is bread was bread available? Grains?
1: Well grains were available obviously bread wasn't because you need to process grains in order to make bread but, I think what they're, they're trying to say is that we've evolved to be flexible eaters and we don't necessarily have, you know, we shouldn't like eat only what our ancestors ate. And what, what does that even mean? What did our ancestors even eat? Like, there's so much variety in what they ate. Um...
0: Like, for example,
1: and this is from what I remember reading, like, there were certain, um, I think it was Eskimos that you, they they eat and maybe I don't know they eat they used to eat um, blubber from a whale, right? That's that's where they would get most of their their um, nutrition from. So correct. Does that mean we should eat that too?
0: Well, the the Eskimos have a very high fat diet. That's correct. Yeah.
1: So i was saying like so if, if we're following what our or what ancient civilizations ate, does that
0: mean we should eat that? No, we shouldn't. <laughs> well, I mean, like Italians, their ancestors they ate a lot of pasta. I mean, it depends like how far back you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in the BC times, people certainly ate different than, let's say, the 1700s or the 1800s. Um, you know, the modern Italian diet, there's a lot of pas- pastas and breads and stuff, so. Um, that, that's stuff's good for you. Um, well, according to paleo, it's not. but uh, <laughs> they you know, I, I don't think bread's evil. Sometimes you need because um, some people, their stomachs, they can't just process a bunch of grease, so the rice and other starchy foods that help soak up the oil. so the, there there is usefulness to bread sometimes. I don't know if there's a paleo alternative to, to like starchy type foods because uh, most cultures they have some sort of bread right bread. in their food.
1: Yeah. Tortillas. Yes, yeah, tortillas. So. <laughs> <need> Rice.
0: Really.
1: <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, again, if it's part of a balanced diet, like that's perfectly fine. There's nutrients in, in bread, um, whole grains. Um, there's also meldous gluten-free uh, diet trends, and people who follow gluten-free diets don't even know what gluten is. Do you know what gluten is? I mean, the the label's ubiquitous everywhere. Like, I went to the grocery store the other day, and I see so many foods that say gluten-free, and it's a marketing tool to get you to purchase that item because people associate gluten-free with being better for you, and that's not necessarily the case.
0: Well, there's some Chinese dishes where the main dish is gluten. So it's like, uh. Well, what is it? It's like this spongy thing. <laughs> um,
1: oh, oh. It's elastic. It's, uh. So gluten is comprised of two different proteins, uh, gliadin and glutenin. And it's what helps spread rice and gives it its elasticity. It's found in wheat, rye, and barley. And these grains are found in other food products, like uh, sauces, it's found in beer, uh, it's found in sausages, so it's found in a variety of different products. Um, and there are people who have to, um, they can't eat gluten for medical reasons, so if you have celiac disease or if you have a wheat allergy, you you can't eat gluten. Um, it affects your small intestine and causes the microvilli in your small intestine to atrophy and then that um, that affects absorption. So there's a medical reason for, you know, for, um, for gluten-free products. And I think one of the upsides of this gluten-free diet trend is that there are more products available for people with celiac disease and wheat allergies, but I think it's, um, it's it's
0: funny when people say they're following a gluten-free diet, but they don't even know gluten. Yeah, I mean, um, people follow trends, but uh, there's also certain athletes that they switch to gluten-free, and then their performance like skyrockets. There's a tennis player, Novak Djokovic. He switched to gluten-free, and then his performance skyrocketed. Um, Joe Rogan talks about it a lot, but I know he eats some sort of gluten. You know as I was saying the, there's a Chinese dish where it's actually gluten <laughs> the main dish is uh, it's like fried uh, fried gluten with something else um so I mean I actually like eating it but uh yeah. you know I don't think it's evil but
1: um and that's another thing if people vilify this you know this protein um and it's, it shouldn't be vilified. It just it should be neutral. That's what people do with a lot of different foods, like especially carbohydrates. They vilify, and then we get into this uh, good versus bad, healthy versus unhealthy uh, relationship with food, and people internalize those messages, and then we have this unhealthy relationship with ourselves. And anyways, um, you yeah, can stop doing that.
0: Yeah, the uh, peanuts is another one. I know people have peanut allergies and certain nut allergies, but that's a, a small percentage of the population. But now uh, Southwest Airlines, shout out to Southwest, um, they have they are terminating passing out peanuts now. They're going all pretzels now oh. because of the whole peanut allergy thing. So the yeah, Southwest peanuts I used to love, 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 love. I mean, I just. I, I'd request the flight attendant for more because I love this up as peanuts.
1: So, how sad are you? they <laughs> just the peanuts. You should write them a letter and say, hey, I love the peanuts. I feel like you were discriminating against people who love peanuts.
0: Well, it's. I mean, I uh, there's other better nuts, I guess, but. It it was a tradition, and then. How do you feel
1: about Brazil nuts?
0: <laughs> those are, um, I'm not a big fan. I like almonds, I like macadamia nuts. I'm, uh, in Hawaii, went to the second time I went to Hawaii, um, this, with my family, um, after after your wedding, um, we went to like a we went to two macadamia nut farms, so I'm a big fan of macadamia nut. Um, when I went to Sacramento, I went to the, uh, the Blue Diamond Almond Factory Store, and then so uh, we watched several videos on almonds and stuff. So I'm a big fan of nuts, yeah, no. in a non-sexual manner. But um, <laughs> yeah, almonds, all that stuff. It's really good for you. Um, however, I feel a better question is, how do you feel about almond milk? Um,
1: it's fun. I I've only tried it I think a couple of times. It's not something that I gravitate towards or prefer. I prefer um, regular milk. Um well actually Frank is lactose intolerant, so we never have regular milk at our house. We have lactin, which is it's it's regular milk but they actually have um lactate has a um, they have lactase, which is the enzyme that breaks down lactose into its like, monomer components. But anyways. I don't have any feelings for it with almond milk. Why?
0: Yeah. Um, it's
1: fine. If you want to try a milk alternative, then that's fine.
0: I feel almond milk is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> There's also
1: cashew milk.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think all those nut milks is ridiculous because you're, um, you're just crushing up nuts and like rinsing all off. I mean it's like the water you you soak nuts in like some water and then that's like the the almond milk. I think that's ridiculous. It shouldn't be called milk. I think
1: Actually there was I think a lawsuit because um, milk like milk like cow's milk, like manufacturers they were upset that like these other companies were calling themselves like like they're saying like almond milk, soy milk. I was like they're like no, you can't call it. Like you can't say it's milk, it's not milk. Yeah. So like, well, what is milk? And it was this whole like controversy, and I thought it
0: was really hilarious. I mean, it's just like. Well, it's it's not just the word milk is. I I think I don't think what almond milk is is actually milk <laughs> because it's it's water.
1: But with what about people nuts? who are lactose intolerant
0: and they can't have milk? I mean, you can do lactate and you yeah. can take those enzymes, but um, some people are just prefer almond milk or cashew milk or Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you can buy it. You have the right to to, uh, to drink whatever you want to drink. I mean, it's better than drinking alcohol, right? But um, I I mean, I don't think it should be called milk because then you confuse people and there's a whole argument regarding breast milk or or um, you know cow's milk or you can go the
1: huge proponent of uh, breastfeeding
0: or you can go the vegan route which is do this this whatever um, these almond milk things but I think
1: that's another reason why people um, they choose these Milk
0: alternatives, alternatives because they're they might be vegan, vegetarian. So yeah, um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but co- like coconut milk, that's another thing. But I think that has a bit more legitimacy because it's actually from the inside of the plant. Because almond milk is just like you're rinsing the almond, and then that water turns into the. Uh, Almond milk, yeah, which I don't know, uh you know more po I mean I'd rather eat the nuts, so I'd rather have the nuts in my mouth than in liquid form, <laughs> so I don't know, I know we're going overboard here, but um to to wrap things up, I'm also a big fan of um breastfeeding
1: <laughs> you insane. <that. laughs> Um yeah there's
0: there's a lot why are, why are you a big fan of breastfeeding? There's a lot of health benefits towards uh breastfeeding. Yeah. Cuz the uh um, supposedly part of your mom's immune system that gets passed down to you as a baby if uh you not to be. Okay, say that louder, please. Is it
1: not supposedly.
0: Okay. Yes.
1: It's it's so I think I'm I'm fascinated. When I learned about um, breastfeeding in my child maternal and child nutrition class, I was amazed because the nutrients in the breast milk change as the baby uh, gets older to um, to provide adequate nutrition for, for the baby. I thought that was really amazing that your body knows and it adapts and changes as your body. As your baby is growing, so I know it's really difficult. Though our society doesn't make it easy for women to breastfeed, unfortunately, and we need to do a better job of that.
0: Um. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I support all measures to make <laughs> breastfeeding easier. Um, and then the media—they, you know—they always have all these stories, is like. Um, Oh yeah, X and X they prevented me from breastfeeding or whatever and then I think I don't
1: understand why people like some people get grossed out by it or they feel like, Oh, that's not something that you should be doing in public and I I don't understand. It's such a natural thing and you're you're feeding your baby like, I just don't like there shouldn't it shouldn't be gross like, there's some people like they they get it's like they get very offended when some someone is like a woman is breastfeeding her baby I don't
0: understand in public right um well I I can't speak for them because I'm very uh, pro press reading um ser- certain stories it gets a bit sensationalized in the media um like um, there was one case I think it was in Disneyland or whatever and this woman was breastfeeding and then there was a bunch of controversy going on but um, in the workplace that might be a bit different because um, it's a professional environment and then if you have a baby with you Forget about the breastfeeding. If you just even have a baby with you in in a workplace, that can be a very big distraction, and um, I think your boss would have something to say about if that baby is distracting the.
1: That's understandable, but it's required by law that employers provide nursing mothers with a safe space for them to pump. So. And I know it's not all employers do that and women don't say anything because they fear that they're going to lose their jobs, which is a very unfortunate reality. Um, and that I, I shouldn't be happy We need to do job about that.
0: I agree. And typically, um, what type of safe place would that be?
1: Yeah, no, like a room I where we used to work, our previous employer, they had uh, empty rooms for people to go in it wasn't just for breastfeeding but having an empty room where someone and it's you know they're sitting there um and it's comfortable for women to to pump
0: yes i agree i think um yeah you know it's, it's not for all moms i understand that um, if you want to roll with the formula that's your choice that's cool too um but regarding the actual um if it's a choice between almond milk, I don't know if <laughs> almond milk and breastfeeding that's that, that's a subject that <laughs> may be a bit more different, so I don't know. I'm I'm obviously limited in my debate because I'm a man, so that's all on you. <laughs> <laughs> well that's all I gotta say on
1: that topic. Okay. I'm looking forward to next week where we discuss our book, Why We Sleep. It was a very informative, um, research-based book about the benefits of sleep and gives you practical tools and tips on how to improve your sleep. And I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a life-changing book. Sounds a little dramatic, but it's very eye-opening.
0: Yes. We will be reviewing that book next week, so um, please join in for that. It's a very good book. It's a book that will change your behavior from day to day, so please uh, give it a browse, and we'll talk about it next week. Adios.
1: Bye.